Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of High and Wide Full Circle. This is a show where me, Jack Smith, and my good friend, Steve Ferrari, we discuss the ins and outs of our very own Metropolitan Division. That's right. This is now the official home of the Metro Report, as well as some deep dives, in-depth discussion, signings, movings, tradings, hirings, firings, and etc. Quite frankly, we'll talk about whatever grinds our gears with a heavy emphasis on our very own division. A very competitive division, mind you. Uh, and we, again, bring it all full circle. So without further ado, allow me to introduce myself and C. Ferrari and another week of no hockey. And that's because our team was uh, sadly eliminated from the playoffs. But to make me feel a little bit better... Seems like the Islanders are struggling a little bit. Steve, did the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning finish them off today? Uh, It's 3-1. Tampa took the game today. I believe the final score was 4-1, so they're up 3-1 in the series now. Um, The Lightning seeming to be a little bit too much to handle for the Islanders. Um, Funny thing is, though, I actually think the Flyers match up better with the Lightning than they did with the Islanders, but... Uh, I mean, hockey, I think, is all about matchups, but the uh, the Islanders are not looking like they are competing um, much, very much with the, the Lightning. So I think they're uh, I think they're on the brink of elimination, maybe one more game, but I don't see them getting past game game six. Uh, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I really thought first off that the Flyers and their play style matched up so much better with the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. However, I wouldn't say they would win the series. But having seen Tampa uh, Bay handle the Islanders, yes, they did get a win the other night. But to be down 3-1, to one, much like the Flyers were to the Islanders, I don't see the Islanders making much of a comeback. Maybe yeah, one either. game, and I think it'll be close. But Tampa Bay, once they got Braden Point back, they're right back to doing what they do. And they're they're just... They're my pick for the for the cup, honestly. I think it's going to be them. I had originally picked Vegas, but Dallas is making a strong push for that. That's for sure. Yeah. Is that series at three to one as well? Uh, yeah, Dallas won last night. Um, took a three to one series lead. One a team I did not see coming. Um, they were they're a really Jekyll and Hyde team. Like sometimes they look really good, sometimes they look really bad. But they turned it on at the right time, and they're they're making Vegas look like they don't belong in the same series with them. They're they're outplaying them pretty much start to finish and, and Vegas just looks frustrated. But um a, a Stars Lightning final, I don't know how uh, jacked up the NHL ratings people are going to be for that one, but I think it should be a, a good one if if everything holds as it is now. Yeah, and it's funny. I remember picking um Dallas just to win the first round against Calgary and I felt like I was in the minority but one thing I will say is when they have lost and they have looked bad they look bad like they mm-hmm. just looked like a typical bubble playoff team and especially without uh Ben Bishop you yeah. know and I was like all right uh, so, you know, maybe I was picking them to just get by Calgary and when that series started I'm like this is gonna be tough Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought I liked what I saw in the round robin. A lot of people chalked that up to uh, St. Louis is kind of like we won last year. This is a BS year, so that's them. Um, uh, you know, Avalanche Young. Uh, I don't know what was up with Vegas, but I just liked what I saw from Dallas. But when they actually dug deep and started playing Calgary, I was kind of like, 
when they won, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. When they lost is exactly what you were saying. It was like, who they're not, they're basic, you know, but as the series has gone on and the playoffs has gone on, it's like, I'm seeing more of the team. I thought that was good. Same. Uh, yeah. And it's, and when they do lose, it, it's very, it's so strange. It, Jekyll and Hyde is the perfect way to put it. I'm just seeing more Jekyll. I guess he's the good one. <laughs> um, but like, I'm just seeing more of that. And it's going to be interesting. I don't think they've been to the finals since what? 99. Yeah. I think it was 99. It's, it's been a long time. I mean, it, it, I, whatever, I, and I totally agree with you about the NHL probably not being a huge fan of that. But for me personally, like, I kind of like it. Like, they traded for um, Tyler Sagan, that huge move with Boston, and Heiskanen. Is, it, it stings seeing him be so good with him going the pick after Nolan Patrick. Yeah. Uh, but they just got, you know, Jimmy Ben, they got, they got a lot going for them. And doing that without Ben Bishop is also like, wow. So yeah, I don't know. Kadobin will let in a softy every now and then, but man, he battles. He's uh he's not the the best goalie in the world. He's not going to look the best doing it, but he's gonna try his ass off every single every single minute of the game, and he gives you a chance to win. And that's all you can really ask for in the playoffs. With a team like that that can score, um, just just keep your team in it. If you give up two quick goals, don't worry about it, just fight back and that's that's kind of what the whole Stars team is doing. Just seems like he does enough for them to give them a chance to win, and yep. that's all it's taken. Yep, and that's exactly. that's that's impressive because they're playing some talent out there. First, Avalanche shocked everybody. I mean, honestly, Calgary shocked a couple of people. To be honest, I, I did feel like I was in a minority in taking them in that series. Uh, but then when they beat the Avalanche, I was like, wow, they got you know, wow. And it's like, but Vegas will take care of them. They're up three to one in that series. Like that's yep. unbelievable. They are one win away from the cup, which makes me think when Tampa gets there, are they going to surprise me again? Because that would <laughs> really blow my mind. Like who is this team? Um, and we'll get more into that later, especially when we talk about Hajime of the year. But right now, some Metro news. The Penguins are still movers and shakers. Uh, before we get into the trade they made, We'll talk about the Penguins have brought in Todd, Reard, Todd, Todd Reardon, who was the former uh, head coach of the Washington Capitals, who, what was he there, two years before they canned him this year? Yep, two years. Yeah. Apparently, he had some pretty good success with the fly, uh, with the Penguins and their power play, which is one thing that they definitely lacked. Um, it makes sense for them to bring him back to get that power play going and to maybe – propel himself in some kind of other job. Um, can't hate it. I mean, I definitely don't like it as a Flyers fan if he had success. I don't honestly know if it's a personnel thing or if it was a Todd Reardon thing. Uh, if I have to guess, I would lean personnel, but what do I really know? Because how bad could the power play have been with Washington? You have Ovechkin, you have all those names out there. So, I mean, they also added um, Mike Velucci, who I've never heard of, to be honest with you. So, just real quick, uh, Steve, your analysis on the fly, uh, the Penguins adding two new assistant coaches, one former co- assistant coach who was also recently the head coach of the Washington Capitals. Uh, Reardon, I like to move for both sides. Um, I think for him, it's kind of like a situation with the Flyers where you bring in two former head coaches, um, give them a facet of the special teams to coach. Um, and, and kind of let him go back to his element 
maybe build up a little bit of value to get another head coaching job. But let's be honest, when you're dealing with Sid and Latang and Malkin and Gensel and all those guys, you, you could have anybody running the power play. Um, they're going to score. The, the, the key, I think, for a power play coach there is when you kind of get into a rut and the same thing that you're doing that maybe you're scoring early on in the season kind of stops working. So that's where you need a coach to come in and kind of dissect what's going on. And maybe maybe you change someone up in the spot they're in. Maybe you change where you want to distribute the puck from. Uh, I think that's where his value is going to be noticed. But, I mean, when you're dealing with a couple of the best players in the world, you should be able to score five on four without a coach. So um, I, I think it's a good hire for them. And I, I think, like I said, the, the ruts that you noticed from them that we saw in the playoffs, that's where he's going to be key. Um, Bellucci. He looks like a, he was a career kind of minor leaguer, toiled in some of the, the lower um, leagues, and he's been a OHL coach for a while, and then he was with the, the Charlotte Checkers and last year the, the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins. So I've heard some good things about him. It seems like he might be um, coming up as a potential head coach down the line. Um, but – I think it's it's always good to get a new face in the building and may, maybe bring a new perspective, especially when you have some entrenched veterans there. So we'll see. But I, I think two two solid hires for a team and bringing back a guy that knows kind of what he's getting into also helps too. So to bring it all full circle, um, I'm going to pivot to the Flyers here. And what you said about Reardon makes sense. And I also agree that it's more probably the personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I bring the Flyers up is one, our power play has been absolute crap since. Can we one. decline? Could we just decline penalties? I mean, when was the last time we said that? I mean, like our thing used to be the penalty kill was horrible. Yep. And the power play was the thing that kept us going. That was under Hacksaw of all coaches. And now it's completely flip flopped. I get why the penalty kill is good. But what the hell happened to the power play? And when I go to give fault to Michelle Terrian, who runs the power play, a lot of people are quick to put the blame on Vigneault. And under that, I guess, mindset, we should just fire Dave Scott, right? Like, you just go to <laughs> the head of the snake and just cut it off. Like, yeah. how do you not – how do you skip Terrian? The guy has not done much as a head coach. As I remember, he's been fired from Montreal for being – really what's the most he's done gotten to the second round of the playoffs yeah he, when the penguins fired him they won a cup they fired him brought in dan balsma i think he was an assistant and they won the cup that year mm-hmm. so like why is Tarion being given no blame and they want to just put it on Vigneault? i get it Vigneault does have a hand in this but Tarion's the one in charge and if it's my job and my boss puts me in charge and my boss might not be the owner of the company. He's just my boss. And I completely fail like that. Why would they skip me and go after him? Wouldn't you think they go after me? You would think. I mean, that's how the world usually works. So while, why he's getting a pass and people go after Vigneault is very odd to me. So I'll ask you, what are you seeing? Not so much with the power play, but with the blame game. Like if, if it were you, would you go after Tarion and try to, Ask, give him one more year, see what he does different. Is it the personnel, or do you agree with all this hate on Vigneault? I don't agree with the hate on Vigneault at all. Uh, as a head coach, he's worried about everything within the game. Um, yeah, he's got some hand in the power play, but at the same time, he's not 
supposed to be breaking down the tape the same level that Tarion is. And like I said with Reardon, he's the, the coach is there to kind of help you along, get you out of that rut. The guys on the first power play unit, the second power play unit, they should be able to pretty much operate on their own without a coach. But the, the, I think the biggest problem with the Flyers power play was the, the setup was never it never felt threatening. Um, you have everybody if, if, watching the playoffs. It feels like when these g- great teams get on the power play, the puck always is moving closer to the net. The Flyers play very close to the blue line. Like how many times is Provorov walking the line and he's literally walking the blue line and, and you're not really giving yourself much, cha- much room for error. So you're passing it back to Giroux, back to Provorov, but like it, it never looked like anybody was moving. They wanted that slot shot that they worked so well with Hartnell a few years ago, but teams take it away now. So you got to get a little bit more creative. It, it's just like they, they went to the well so many times with the same, same exact things. And, and they just, it wasn't working. That's where Tarion should have stepped in and said, uh, you know what, let's, let's try something a little bit differently. And maybe Vigneault should have s- said something to him as well, but you, you gotta, you gotta bring in a coach to, and let him do his job. Now, you're in a bubble. It's not exactly the same. So maybe if the Flyers power play did that after that nine out of 10, and maybe they went on a really bad skid towards the end of the season, maybe you see Terry and get fired there just because you need some, a new voice, but in the bubble, it's a little bit different and there's so much going on. I'm not going to hate on Vigneault for the power play struggles. I mean, a coach is one thing, but the, the players also have to do better too. Yeah, and it's definitely a lot on the personnel, but at the same time, if I'm not going to blame the personnel or pass blame or split blame, it's going to go to Tarion. I mean, yeah. you put a guy in charge, how can you not he be your first guy? Do you question? How do you go to the head coach? What is the point of your assistant coach at that point? That's well, you know so what it might be? People that are questioning it maybe don't even know who runs the power play. It might feel that way. And I definitely got into it with some people, and they were like, they knew Vigneault run it, or I'm sorry, Tarion ran it. And they were just like, oh, Vigneault's the head coach, though. It's like, all right, well, like, you do delegate. Everybody delegates. Assistant mm-hmm. coaches are not a fake, you know, title to keep people, I don't know, like ex-retired players like Recky with Pittsburgh last year. Like, oh, you're a great player. Let's just put you on the staff and it'll all be for, you know, for the cameras and the interviewees and whatever. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they actually have jobs to do. That's why they get hired by other teams who are looking for head coaches who aren't free agents. Like, they want new head coaches. You did a great job in this city, in this town, or whatever. We want you to coach this team. That's how they get those jobs. So, how does this guy just escape blame? This is also the same guy who absolutely ravaged Briere with some comments he made about his play. <laughs> yeah, I um, forgot about that. <laughs> and on top of that, uh, on this, like to flip the coin, PK Supan has some of his best years under this guy, and he was mm-hmm. just a jerk to him too. So it's like I don't understand. Like you put this guy in charge, it's failing miserably. It's as bad as our PK used to be, and nobody cares about him. They want to point at the head coach. Uh, pump your brakes because one, I know he didn't have the best bubble season i mean yeah we did great in the round robin we got yep. by montreal which you can't give too much credit because montreal didn't deserve to be a playoff team although they did beat pit they did um we survived that series so i get that but at the same time 
it's not he's got a lot more to deal with and his challenges were an issue and maybe some of his matchups were an issue and maybe his motivations with some of the players were an issue and we'll get into some of that you know going forward some things we heard about the players not exactly being in the right state of mind we'll say <laughs> um you know it's bubble life so i'm not ready to kill him for that we'll see how next season goes right um but you can't let Tarion, who's got really like what two jobs? He's what does he do? The defenseman and the power play? No, like, forwards. Defenseman, for- uh, yo, yeah. Okay, so he's the forwards. I know Yo's the penalty kill. I can never remember who does what. Um, so he's the forwards. That's another thing. Uh, how good was the first line? How good was Jake, JVR, and, and G in the Islander series? How good was TK? I mean, kind of a massive issue considering. Most, I would say, 70% of the play was in the Flyers zone. And the penalty power play sucked. Five on five sucked. The fact that that series got to game seven is beyond me. I I have no idea how. I mean, the the series ultimately started how it ended. A 4-0 loss. And everything in between was just luck. I, uh, I mean... You look at the shot totals and the time of possession and what have you, and it heavily favored the Islanders. So, yeah, is he completely to blame? God, no. you got to blame the personnel first. But I am going to look at at Terry and say, you're a former head coach. We put you in charge of the power play, which was not good during the regular season. It wasn't. You know, let's not pretend that it was, like, great. It was average at best. It was getting getting you by. Yeah, I took a way to put it. It, it did enough, yep. and it was. But it was something. That, it was a talking point. If we're gonna like go into the playoffs, it needs to improve. It wasn't like, oh God, stop the presses. But it was something that needed to improve. Now we go into the bubble. We look good during the round robin, but the power play never did. That yep. was one thing. Montreal again. I, I mean, ultimately, when they returned to play, what did they score twice on the power play between both series and the round robin? I think four times. Out of what, like thirty-five or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, like it was insane how bad they were. And you're telling me you're going to go after the head coach? That's just silly to me. Why this guy gets a a pass is just absolutely stupid. Yeah, I don't, I don't people, understand that honestly, thinking at all. I'm going to say it. Like the people who want to blame Vigneault, I think they have a um a, a separate agenda. Honestly, yeah. I don't know why. Uh, I think he's been pretty good. I think we've seen the best season we've seen since. 2014 when we, we took what the rangers to game seven in the first round and that rangers team went to the cup yeah i think this was most likely the best season since that maybe even 2012 when we went to the second round loss to uh the devils i was also a uh that was a four to one loss this went to game seven so right around that time which is roughly six years ago this huh. is the best we've seen and you want to question Vigneault when he's been here one year i mean to me that's just stupid yeah, you know, I, and they brought in all these head coaches and this all-star coaching staff, which is why the first guy I question is Terrian. Why did it take him so long to move Drew back to his original side? And when he finally did, you know, they had a little bit of success and it kind of went back to whatever. Why didn't you change things up? Why didn't you change the personnel? Why didn't you do anything differently? That's what I don't understand. They did not have enough bodies in front of the net. And, you know, JVR, I know what you say about, you know, his little move he would make, you know, <laughs> under, what was it? Who's the Phantom Psycho? Dave, no, not Dave Scott. It was uh, Scott Gordon. Under Scott, Scott Gordon, Gordon, 
instead of doing that, like he gets the puck, turns around and throws it in the goalie's pads, he would actually pass it between his legs. And whoever was coming on net, usually TK, would get a dunk goal. Like, why wasn't there more creativity like that? Why didn't you try anything differently? Why didn't you put two bodies in front of that? Like, it's mind-boggling how we saw the same thing over and over and over again between both units, too. Like, I I just don't get it. It's like, I'm... Go ahead. Why was Derek Grant on the second power play? Uh, yeah, great point. I mean, all the players on this team, you could have put a lot better out there than Derek Grant, who will not be re-signed because of his poor play. Like, not what thought Like, process. anybody. And Lawton scored some pretty big goals. He definitely deserved to get a shot. Maybe they yep. were saving him for the penalty kill. I don't know. But Hayes was out there on the power play. So, like, I just don't understand the thought process behind Tarion. And then the immediate deflection, blame the head coach. It's 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 mind-boggling, and that's why I, I mentioned Reardon, and you know, it's obviously the Penguins are in the Metro and what they're doing, but it also makes me think: why didn't we do anything differently, and why is it so quick to blame the head coach? Because like, it's his first year. It's not like he's been doing this for five years, like uh, Haxel did with uh, Lapierre. Oh, it's God, not like yeah. you know with the penalty kill. We didn't. He didn't just leave him there for four years. And, oh, don't touch it! And I'll never forget after the end of the third year. Oh, we saw something we kind of liked. I'm like the only <laughs> change you made was you brought up Matt Reed, who was not brought back. And sure enough, the next year the penalty kill was an absolute joke. Yep. It's like they do some su- such stupid things sometimes that I feel like I could be a coach. Like really, I don't like to just point out the obvious. <laughs> and I and it's sad, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it it's really surprising that you people would skip the line and go right to Vigneault. I mean, yeah, ultimately it falls on him, but Terrian's got to be held accountable for that poor play. And look, if it if something isn't addressed in the offseason and it comes back and does the exact same things over again, then I'm okay with putting some more of the blame on Vigneault because that's where, like, he sees it. He knows what's going on. That's where you got to maybe step in and do something. But I'm not ready to put that blame on him at all at this point. I mean, we've seen it in every sport. Like when a head coach gets fired, the first thing you see is a bad season. Then you see another bad season followed by the assistants maybe getting shuffled or fired. Then you see the coach get fired. And to go further, the GM, he usually Mm -hmm. gets two or three head coaches before he gets fired. So why did you skip all that like beginning crap and go right after the head coach? It's downright stupid. And it's just like, why do you have this guy? Was he a figurehead? Is it's like he that's just, the recency bias. It, it, you're you're mad they lost. You want to go after someone, and Vino's a much better target than Tarion is. It's for name recognition alone. Yeah, you know, maybe exactly. you didn't like something else he did, and you just want to go after him. That's the only thing that makes any sense to me. Because, and does he deserve some blame? Yeah, I guess. I mean, he is running the ship, but he also has bosses who are running the ship as well, right. particularly ones that handle the personnel which is kind of one of our biggest issues here so to blame him is you might as well just blame fletcher and at that point you might as well just blame dave scott or you could be <laughs> logical and blame the guy directly ahead of the power play but i don't know i guess i'm speaking chinese so i will just let that slide i guess we'll see if something changes freaking better change we cannot do this again next year 
We can't. Like, come on. I'm all about giving him another shot. The guy was a head coach. I liked that we brought in two head coaches, former head coaches, to, right. to be part of our staff. You saw an immediate change in the overall team, and I like that. But something needs to change on that power play because this is an, I think it may have been the worst in the league. Like, it's an absolute joke, especially if you consider the bubble play. And it, it wasn't has- just it wasn't that they didn't score, particularly in the bubble. It was how bad they looked. Like, okay, you don't have to score on on every power play. Like, if you're operating at a 20% clip, I'm okay with it. But at least look like you know what you're doing. And there were times in that series where it it looked like they would have been better off killing a penalty than getting one. It was like nobody, nobody wanted to move. Nobody was passing the puck crisply. Nobody was retrieving it. It was just – it was like – peewee mistakes like how are you going to keep doing the same thing over and over like you know what they're going to do finally they started dumping it into the corner a little bit but then the islanders went back popped it up the boards and see you later we're going the other way it was just it, it was there was no creativity there was no movement it was it, it was just a basic boring terrible power play and i mean that's another thing why their shots totals didn't look so good because their power play was a joke uh, there were times where the Islanders, even Montreal, looked better yeah. offensively. For stretches, too. Did. Like, Hart had to bail them out because they were farting around. It's just, it was so bad. It was so bad. And I don't understand how you can give Terry a pass. It's so dumb to me. Like, why have an assistant coach if you're going to just give him a pass? Like, <laughs> So, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I think it is a little bit of the personnel for sure. Uh, players got to – they got to operate. But I've heard what I've heard about the guys in the bubble and their life there. But I've also seen the team in the regular season before that, and they weren't that good either. So there's something needs to change. I'm hoping the uh, organization is smart enough to – look into it at the very least. So I don't want to say anything yet. We have not touched the off season. No trades have been made. Uh, no really re-signings have been made either. Um, so we'll see what happens. So yep. to get off of that, uh, I did want to ask you, Montreal has been pretty busy. I know they're not in the Metro. Uh, one exa- but, but the Flyers are looking to move out some salary, and we'll get into that later for sure. The Blues traded Jake Allen, who's got one year left at $4.3 million, and they gave a 2022 seventh rounder to Montreal for a 2023rd and 2027th. Um, and they uh, Montreal acquired Jake Allen. Uh, I mean, a couple picks removed. They got a backup goalie who's at a hefty price. Um, I mean, this is an example of a team in the St. Louis Blues opening up salary to hopefully re-sign Alex Petrogano. And, uh, and they really are going to do whatever they can. And we've heard his name linked with mainly the Maple Leafs, but also Pitt uh, and a couple of other teams as well. Uh, and I'll throw it all together here. Also, and this is a little weird, you know, to keep this in mind, Montreal sends a fifth-round pick, which would be the 139th overall in this year's draft, to Carolina for the rights of Joel Edmondson, a defenseman who was decent and has some grit, but that's exactly what we give up from Kevin Hayes, and the value difference between the two players is massive. So uh, just let me know what you think, Steve, about Montreal's moves here, uh, the Blues' moves here, although we think we both can agree it was to attempt to re-sign uh, one of the, their captain, essentially. And uh, just how it's a example of moving – money around to make things work. So what did you think of these two moves? 
So I'll start with the Edmonton one because I think that's a little bit more, a little bit simpler. Um, my guess is without having inside knowledge that a fifth round pick is kind of your going rate for a uh, the, the negotiating rights to a UFA. Um, I'm not sure it matters too much who it is, but I know we gave up a fifth for Kevin Hayes, but the Winnipeg had no intention of re-signing him. And I think Montreal does that just to get an exclusive window. Maybe you sign him, maybe you don't. But at the end of the day, a fifth round pick, it's probably worth it. And considering they already had a second one from uh, Florida this year, they have two or three seconds and three fourths. So um, maybe their thinking is we're already loaded up in those middle rounds. So if we can get a guy for with an exclusive window, maybe before he hits free agency, you get him at a little bit of a cheaper deal before he hits the open market. Um, I'm okay with it. Uh, if, if they were strapped for picks, eh, maybe a bit of a different story, but a fifth round pick when you already have that, uh, how many picks is it? Seven in rounds two through four. I, I'm okay with with giving that up. Um, now, the Jake Allen one is an interesting um, trade. I, I thought they maybe overpaid a little bit considering the salary that he makes, but he is an expiring deal. So I'll, I'll throw this at you. Um, is I, I know Jake Allen's a free agent in 21-22. But could that be a prelude to maybe get, get getting him under contract, maybe for like two more years to back up Caden Primo, exposing Carey Price to the expansion draft? Wow. Okay. Um, it's just a little thought I had. I mean, bomb there. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to didn't want to let you on to that one until I dropped that one on you. I, I get um, the financial side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the only thing, and they are paying Carey Price a lot. You think that they're that high on Primo? I mean, Primo's been touted pretty highly. Um, I thought he looked decent in his small stretch there, but like, if you can unload ten and a half million from a, a goaltender that's thirty-three years old that you're going to be paying for a little while longer and kind of usher in a new guy where you have Jake Allen who can kind of be your one, maybe your one B to his one A. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't hate it. The the Canadians aren't really in a position to win just yet. Um, I mean, you've got the 10 and a half committed to carry um, almost eight committed to Weber. Both guys are older. If I could move carry price, I mean, granted, he's an all world goaltender. I'm not going to take anything away from him. But if Let I get half off the books. So wait, so it's 10 and a half to price. Yeah. And it's how much to Weber? It's seven, eight to Weber. So 10 and a half and seven, eight is 18 something, right? Mean two or so. So would you rather have that or would you rather have G and Jake for like 17.2 or whatever that? Yeah, I know it's 8.27 and 8.2. Can I, can I have Carter Hart as well? No, you can't. You <laughs> pick. Yeah, I mean, because that has been all brought up, and I will say by casual fans of uh, friends of ours, uh, and I understand the anger, but at the same time, the team took a step forward, so I'm not going to kill them. However, the guys making all the money did not show up, and I love G, and I think he's great for this locker room, and I would never personally want to get rid of him. But just as a flat-out question, would you rather have you, – you're starting a team from scratch. 
so you can't have Hart. Uh, Weber and uh, Price or Jake and G for probably, pretty similar money. I'm probably going Jake and G based on the ages. Okay. All right. I How mean, about the performance? Weber's 35 now, and he's still signed for another six years. Price is 33, wow. signed for another six years. So I'm taking that into account, and I'm taking Jake and G. Okay, that's a really good point. I'm actually gonna throw that at my friend later, but that's go. a really that's a really good point. I think that'll probably settle the question. But I will ask, based on recent performances, just recent performances, no money or no years, who would you take? I'm still gonna take Jake and G. Wow. Okay. All right. I mean, money wise or really age wise, totally agree. But I think that the Canadians' two best players. You throwing, you know, uh. Nick Suzuki in there as well. I think those three guys, they were the reason why that the Montreal did what they did. Um, that being said, I don't know if they do that again. And it was odd that suddenly Max Domi is once out, you know, he's erased everything Montreal and he yeah, wants to very interesting. They really shit on him. I did not see that coming. Um, I don't want to get too into Montreal's troubles. I, I honest to God would be surprised if they exposed Carey Price um, but we've seen crazier things. Like we really have. I don't know what they're gonna do. I really don't. I mean, well, I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I didn't expect you to say that. I really did. Yeah, like, I'll throw that one at you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know who's got a no trade clause, which could nix that. Um, does if you get, we'll look it up maybe for later. But I think Weber and Price have no trade clauses, which would not uh, allow that to happen. Price does. Weber does not. See now, I can see Weber because as much as they like him, yes, yeah. on for a while he'll be like what, like forty by the time that's up. Yeah. He might still be able to play. I don't know. Maybe he's a little right. charred, but like at seven point eight, that's tough. So I'm curious to see what they do. Uh, maybe they have Domi around for a year and expose him or something. I really don't know, but yeah, you definitely. Uh, I did not have yeah. notes for that one. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I thought I hit you with that one. See what you thought. Uh, but to bring it up, I mean, are we in agreement that we're hoping that Seattle takes JVR off our hands, even if they take a, we have to give them a pick to do it? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And we'll get more into that later because we got to get by this year with our salary, and that's coming up. But that would definitely help. Um, Pitt not done making moves, and we said this last time we talked after they acquired Casper Kapanen. and Pitt makes a lot of moves, uh, and they moved. Nick Bustad to Minnesota for a seventh round pick. I believe he's making 4.1 million, but they retain 50% of the salary, which is just over $2 million. Your thoughts on that move? Um, complete salary dump. I mean, they, the, if he doesn't play in a certain amount of games, I believe, or hit a certain number of points, the wild don't have to give up anything. Um, so they literally would just get him for two and a half million or two point zero five million, whatever it is. Um, I think it's a good buy low for the wild considering you're literally just basically throwing money at them. Uh, wild, right? No. Where did you go? Wild. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you said, I believe he played what three games last year. Um, I have no problem with that trade. I think, Pittsburgh needed to move it, and they're moving a guy that's really not going to help them. Um, 
And it, it's hard to move that kind of salary with a guy that really didn't play. Um, so I, I think it's just one of those, we need to move them. They called a bunch of teams in the wild said, we'll give you a seventh round pick if he meets these conditions. And they're like, sure, take 50% of the salary. And it was probably a deal, something like that. But it's just kind of a, a it barely moves the needle. It's uh, it's almost more of a paper transaction with, with Bustad. I don't know how healthy he is going into the season, um, but it's a, it's a nice little flyer for, for a team out in Minnesota. I definitely don't hate it for Minnesota, especially retaining the 50% because if he can stay healthy, he's had some productive seasons. I mean, he's yeah. not a bad – uh, like third line center kind of guy, even fourth, if you really needed them to his main thing is health. If he has a breakout season, they find themselves in a situation where they can try to retain him and why break out. I don't expect him to freak out, but just a solid season. Like they could add a decent player for a seventh round pick is nothing. Yeah. And I doubt they bring him back at the salary he was being paid. So, um, yeah, Pitt is definitely getting as much salary out as they can. Again, they were uh, connected to Petrogano, which I can't see happening. But, you know, that window's closing. They're going to do everything they can. And I've even heard talk about Malkin, but I can't see I can't see them getting something all win now. I can't see them getting pure win now stuff. Yeah, so, I, I, I can't see Malkin getting moved for anything that helps them realistically now. Right. Like it's so, I mean, I guess they're going to keep everything together and really just go for it and getting this money because when they move their first round pick in a pretty good draft, 15th overall and a pretty decent prospect, as much as I like Casper Kapanen, it was a lot to give up. You would hope that they would try to, I mean, listen, they liked the guy, they drafted him, but you would hope that they would use those assets to address the defense. And so far, all they've done is open up cap and yeah, it's, a, it's a move for it's a, it's a win now move, move, take off two and a half million or 2 million off the books and hopefully fill from within. And they can't, they, they can't rely on Bustad to stay healthy. They had to move on. So I get right. that seventh round picks, whatever, at least they didn't have to give a pick to get rid of them. Um, so I, I will see. I'm like I said, I don't, this again is not the end of the of pit making move. Rutherford, Likes to make them in bunches. So we'll see what happens with that. But again, Pitt makes another move. And I, I'm not going to say we're not doing anything, but they're they're really reshuffling deck. And, you know, uh, we forget about cap and picks and we just look at their team right now. They've slightly improved, slightly. So we'll we'll see what happens. And they got a little more cap. And, I'm, you know, it's not even free agency yet. You know, it's, you I think that's October... Ninth, I think I said it's like a Friday or something. So I think the draft is the fifth and sixth of October, and the free agency is the ninth, I believe. So I mean, we we still got like three weeks until that happens. So yeah, they're making some moves. Uh, we'll see what's up. I still think we're better, obviously, but they they might. They're one big move away from really shocking us, and I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled something off. Not with Malkin, but something. Yeah. Uh, Top of that, we'll just go over real quick. Uh, Bobby Ryan wins the Masterton. I think most people are in agreement with that. Uh, Oscar Limbaugh is most likely a shoe in for next year. Uh, his situation, while he was very humble and said that he did it to himself, hard to argue. He had a rough time, rough go of it, and came back around. It was just nice to see a uh, Cherry Hill guy, which is right around the corner from us, oh, yeah. uh, get his due. 
Uh, speaking of getting your due, Steve, your thoughts? Sean Couturier wins Selkie. It was, uh, I mean, we said it on our first show. I, I, I broke it down. Um, I tried to look at it more than just the names on the paper. Um, I thought Coots was the deserving um, favorite, the, the odds-on favorite to win. And then, like, his play at, at all, at both ends of the ice, he scores, like, the other guys might put in a few more points in the back of the net, but um, when you're playing with, Pasternak and Marchand, that's that's not hard to do. And in a rise case, they were missing Tarasenko, but he's still playing with some pretty good forwards. Um, Couture is starting so many uh, uh, zone starts in the defensive zone, I think is a is a testament to what he brings at the defensive end. Um, and I, I really think it was one of the awards that the NHL got right. Um, I, I could have seen them giving it to Bergeron for the – the story would have been, but I'm really happy to see that they actually, they picked the guy that deserved it the most this year. Um, and I think this is just going to be one of many for him. I think we have, uh, we have a few coming down the pipe for the way he plays the game and it's going to be exciting to see. Um, but yeah, I think they, they finally got a, got one right this, this time. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Definitely got it right. And you broke it down on the statistical analytical side so the eye test and the uh, statistics and analytics, they matched up. And to yep. hear Charlie O'Connor of Broad Street Hockey and the Athletics say he won in a landslide, I that feels even better. Yep, I was I was really surprised to see the results, but uh, like it kind of just makes everything that I brought up on that show like really, really. I guess people did actually take the time to look at it and see some of those underlying stats. See, now it's so funny that we say that because they seem to have really paid attention to the Selkie award uh, race because now we go to the Jack Adams and it feels like they phoned it in. I, I totally get that Bruce Cassidy had a team that had the best record. He also had the best team of the guys going. That, that to me was just... That yeah, like you said, they mailed it in. Yeah, he had the he had the number one seed in the East going into the, the the stoppage, but like he was expected to do that, so he did exactly what he was supposed to. Does that make you a coach of the year, or is the the like I'm not taking anything away from him. He had a great season. You still have to be there and and coach your players, but I think between Av Vino and Cassidy, Cassidy should have been a distant third in that voting. I don't That's even think I mean, it was like universally agreed upon that Cassidy was kind of like, yo, your team went to game seven of the cup last year. You really didn't lose much and you had a good season this year. So here's, here's a, like a, a nomination. Like you did good, but yeah. this is really between AV who took a team that was absolute crap with all talent they could possibly have. And I wouldn't say all the talent in the world because they weren't that talented, especially with some of the guys Hackstall was putting out there. Took over a dumpster fire, honestly. Like, this team couldn't make the playoffs. And turned them into the hottest team in hockey. Yep. Easily. And you would call me a homer? Fine. But I'll say this. I would have gladly have taken John Tortorella as the winner over AV, who finished third in this Same voting. Here. I mean, he... 
lost a lot of players. I'm not going to say he lost the guys they added for the playoff run because that's bullshit. But he did still lose his starting goal. He did still lose his superstar in attending Pernera. Like, come on, man. Like, you drop a guy like that, they add Nyquist, and that's pretty much it. And he, he contends all year. He started falling off towards the end. He also got hit with injuries. He They started getting bit by the injury bug. And I know they don't vote during the playoffs, but you saw how good of a coach he was. Like, that team, they knocked off Toronto. Yeah. Who's got no, some Toronto's, studs. Toronto's a dumpster fire themselves. Though. I know. They got their own <laughs> issues there. But when you look at some of the names on paper, it's like, oh, well, yeah. I thought Toronto would at least get past Columbus. Same here. Then they gave... Then they gave the island or the lightning a, a, like an early scare, and then they kind of put them away. But like that team had a we a lot of people had them picked to have the top three pick, like not even top five, top three, like that bad. And he kept them competitive all year long. They never beat the Flyers, but all year long, and only towards like the stretch run did he start to falter, and he had some injuries. And while I believe AV had a better season considering what he dealt with. It's very hard to argue that Tortorella didn't have a co- very comparable reasons for being there. It was a two-horse race. It wasn't even close that it was between these guys. So to just hand it to Cassidy's most laziest response, it's just, oh, he had the best team with the best record. Give him the award. That's not how the award is given. Otherwise, whoever had the most points, that coach would get the, the award. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, didn't Barry Trotz win last year? He did, yep, and he it, he deserved it. 100% deserved it. Did his team finish first in the NHL with points? They did not. Did they make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, they made the playoffs. Did they get past the first round? Uh, yes. Who did they lose to? What, they what? Oh, they swept Pitt. Oh, God bless Yeah. Them. Yeah. So they, they swept got- Pitt. But then they got – so they made it to the second round, and then they got eliminated. But you don't vote in the playoffs anyway. But so they had a good playoff. I couldn't remember what they did, to be honest. So they <laughs> made the playoffs. They played Pitt, who, if I remember, b- finished pretty well. So they must have been a wild card team, if not like the third team, maybe. I think they were a third seed and Pitt was second. And Washington won the. Okay. Yep. So yep. yeah, so they beat Pitt and they swept them, which is awesome. But then I'm pretty sure Carolina beat them, or is it Boston? Carolina, I believe. And then Carolina lost to Boston. Okay. So Carolina knocked them out of the playoffs. So. This team by was by no means the top team in the league, is my point. By no means. They were third in their division. It's a good division, but third in their division, and he wins, and rightfully so. That's how you vote for the award. So why this bullshit comes through this year, did I think I've just I truly feel like they just fanned it. You know, they just sent it in like, okay, we're tired of voting for for awards and we'll just go with the guy with the most points. Because honestly, it doesn't make sense. This team was it's game seven of the cup, and most almost the entire team came back. So why you just give it to the guy with the most points? You honestly believe he was a better coach this year than what Vigneault and Tortorella went through? Jesus yeah. Christ, even Sullivan has a better case than he did. It's unbelievable. It's just a, it's the most laziest vote I've ever seen. It makes me hate the NHL. I feel like it can be so stupid at times. <laughs> and while I really don't care, okay, AV, when, I want to win the cup. But it's nice for you guys to get recognition. It really is. It's like I like to see my team on NHL Network showing good plays. You, you why wouldn't you want recognition? Like, what, you know what I mean? Uh, so this is a, a major award, and they just fanned it. They just sent it in. Like they just totally. Oh God, I, I just, it makes me so mad. I just <laughs> I cannot believe 
that they would just say it's almost like he said, "Yeah, screw this award. It doesn't really matter. Who cares? Who has the most points? Oh, go with that guy." That's truly really how it feels. I'll leave it at this. My voting would have been Av Torts Sullivan and then Cassidy. And I don't think you're alone. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I've seen Sullivan as high as two behind Av, which is ridiculous. But the point is, he's above Cassidy, right? You know, and I thought he was almost like. I, I truly felt it's between AV and Torts, and we have to uh, nominate three guys. So let's just throw Cassidy in there. You That's know, right, right, most points. It could be Von Sullivan, sure, but we'll go Cassidy, and nobody's going to argue that. You know, and so for him to actually win, it was an absolute joke. I, I just, agree. and not, I mean, listen, he had the most points. I'm not going to hate on that, but at the same time, are you paying attention to what the award you did last year? <laughs> What's so different this year? It's just—it's so dumb. It's typical NHL, and I'm sure everybody in Boston is just like, "Oh, he totally deserves it." You know, I'm sure they feel that way now. Um, the only other thing I'll, I'll mention is uh, GM of the year, Lou Lamorella, beat out Tampa Bay's uh, Julian Brisois. There you go. Oh, I did it. And a very American Jim Nil. Dallas <laughs> Stars. So, I mean, I can't. I feel like Lamarello's came a year late. I think you feel the same, same way. Uh, just your thoughts and who you think should have won, even if it's somebody who wasn't nominated. Um, I, my first, like, I, like they had a good, good offseason, signed some good players, but I think a lot of the team's success is due to Barry Trotz. Um, and Barry Trotz came in the year before. Um, this year, I could have seen it going to Jim Nill. The the Stars added some some nice firepower. Now, maybe their up-and-down season kind of played into it, but they still did have a top-four seed in the West. Um, they added Perry and Pavelski in the offseason. Uh, Sekera, Dickinson, Yanmark, they re-signed. Um, I mean, you you – Brought in Bishop to be your number one, and he had a kind of hit or miss year. He was playing some of the games. He hasn't really been playing much in the playoffs, but then you got Kadobin backing him up. Um, my vote would have been for him just for what they brought in in the offseason, how everything kind of gelled. But that could also be a little bit of recency bias just because I'm watching what they're doing to, uh, uh, to Colorado and now to Vegas. Um, I think Lou deserves it. Um, Breezewa, I don't know if I would have given it to him. So my votes probably would have gone nil Lamorello Breezewa. Um, I mean, let's be honest, the Lightning were the far and away the best team last year. So you knew exactly what was coming back. And Eiserman built that team um, before Breezewa got there anyway. So uh, I, I think it's, I'm not going to argue it too bad. Um, Lou still deserves the, to, to be a winner, maybe just a year late, but We'll see. I, I think I think that one was a lot closer than Coach of the Year. Yeah, and, and just to, to point it out, not that I think he deserved it by any means, but Chuck Fletcher finished seventh. Yeah, uh, that's a little too low for me. I agree that it was a little too low, but you know, if he doesn't win, you know, it's whatever. But I, I like Jim Nill as well. I think uh, I totally agree that was Stevie Eiserman's Tampa Bay team. Um, Lamorello just fell a year late. He didn't really. He, I guess he saved some money with Leonard, I guess. But ultimately, when teams seem to penetrate their great defense, goaltending falters. Yeah. So maybe that's an issue. Um, if there's anybody I'm thinking of, I think Vegas's GM deserves a little bit of credit. 
I know the initial draft was um, the old Washington GM. I can't think of his name, and then uh, there was somebody else running the show. But even still, like they added some talent. Mark Stone was a great pickup for them. I love Mark Stone. You know, and they've drafted pretty well, and the guys are coming up, and they look like, I mean, I know they're down three to one right now, but for an expansion team to go to the cup, well, a first round exit, and this year to be in the Eastern or Western Conference Finals, you know, even Joe Sackick deserves some credit for, for the Avalanche. I think he finished fourth, to be honest, if I read, read correctly, fourth or fifth. Um, and I think he should have been above some of these guys. Uh, I like Jim Nill, he was my pick. Uh, I didn't even know who was nominated, but after looking at it and researching it, I've always liked Jim Nell. I thought it was he was a good decision. I'm glad he got nominated, but this just felt like a year too late for Lamorello. But same time, not going to kill him. Uh, as far as Fletcher is concerned, he's made a lot of good moves. Uh, going into what we're about to go into, he's got made some moves that's going to hurt us a little bit. Some uh, buyouts that are going to hurt us. Uh, Braun was he was good for the regular season, and good is very nice. I think he's a role player. I think you can find guys like that for cheaper. We have a plethora of picks and prospects. So giving up a second and a third for Justin Braun doesn't kill you. If you're a team that's going to win the going for the cup, it doesn't kill you. When he made the trade, it was in the summer. So I don't think we, I think we were hoping to make the playoffs and get past round one was our biggest target, not win the cup. So I did think that was a bad trade and seeing how he played in the playoffs. I still think it's a bad trade. Um, we have yet to see anything with Ghost. I think some of his signings have been pretty good. Uh, Hayes has worked out. I think that was more Vigneault than it was Fletcher. Uh, that being said, I do like Fletcher as our general manager. I do trust him. I am looking forward to what he can do this offseason. And that more on that will come in a later date. But speaking of the offseason, um, the Flyers have some interesting decisions they have to make. And a lot of that comes down to who to resign. So if I break this down for you, uh, on the forward end, they still have Drew Couturier, Voracek, Konechny Hayes, Limblom, JVR Lawton, and Raffle all signed. Those are all guys that are coming back from last year who played in the postseason. You could throw Farabee out there, and I will, because he's making just over, uh, just under a million dollars at $925,000. Uh, so hope it's, I think he's got to be with the big club next year. hundred percent. Yeah. And on the defensive side, uh, that's with, uh, Nicholas Albeck, who bell is a restricted free agent and Tyler Pitlick as a unrestricted free agent going to defense Provorov sign, Niskin and sign. You have ghost, you have Sandheim. Uh, Tyler Myers is a restricted free agent has his hag. Uh, right now they don't really have a, uh, LeBron is a free agent. Um, Oh, on the forward sides, Grant and Thompson, um, Pitlick. I don't think that Grant or Thompson are back, but we'll get into that. Uh, goaltender, you have Hart, and Elliott's a free agent. Uh, buyouts are Andrew McDonald at $1.9 million next year. That's going to sting, especially with the flap cap. Uh, David Schlemko also at $600,000. We don't know what's going to happen with Nolan Patrick and what he's going to get. And they got some guys uh, in the prospect pool that we'll get into. So I'll break it down. I broke down all their numbers, and I had to give some guys contracts. The point of this is, and a lot of the discussion is, and our deep dive of the evening is, Shane Gosses Bear. A lot of people want to move. I want to move. However, I don't want to get 
hosed for him. So before I get into these numbers, Steve, just give me your analysis on where the team is with Ghost and what you think they should do or are going to do in his contract. So just get into that. Uh, and then we'll break down the numbers and we'll see what's feasible because I don't think this team is in a position where they need to get hosed just to move $4.5 million off of their cap, salary cap. And that's with the flat cap included. So with with Ghost, the, the $4.5 million and what you saw out of them this year, it's – it's a little much. It's hard to stomach for what you saw him do um, in the regular season, which really wasn't much. But as we have found out now that the season's over, it sounds like he was dealing with a number of injuries that really hampered his play, particularly his knees. Um, we saw him in the playoffs. You saw him in the the, the round robin uh, for, I believe, a game. Um, we saw him a little bit in the uh, – Canadian series, so I'm a little bit in the Islander series, and he had, looked like he had that that jump that he'd been missing um, over the past about year and a half. So I'm not of the mindset that I want to move him and basically get nothing back like the Penguins did with Bukestad. Now, if it was going to be JVR and I could move the $7 million with the production that he's providing – I might be a little bit more okay with that. But when it comes to the ghost, he's still only 27 years old. And those type of defensemen just don't grow on trees. The guy that can, the guys get that can skate, move the puck and have a little bit of an offensive flair to their game. Now he's frustrating. We know what he is. Um, he's going to turn the puck over occasionally. He's going to get um, out muscled against the boards from time to time. Um, but he brings an element to the back end that is really hard to find. Like Justin Braun, Robert Hag, I feel like those guys go grow on trees. You can find those guys in any draft. They come up in every free agency class. You can find them for cheap. I, I'm I'm over what those guys bring to the table. I, I, I had to watch them get abused against the Islanders, and they get hemmed in their own zone. Yeah, okay, Robert Hag got blasted with a shot in the head, and everybody loves him for it. He plays a physical game, but you know what? A physical game doesn't really do you much when you can't move the puck out of your own zone and you're you're basically hemmed in and either taking a penalty or hopefully getting it out um, up off the boards. But I'm okay with keeping Ghost on this team. Um, if I could get a second-round pick, maybe a conditional pick on top of that, I'm okay with moving him for the four-and-a-half. I'm, I'm, I think he needs a change of scenery. But not so much that I'm just going to say, what are you going to give me? Oh, okay, a seventh-round pick? Sure, take them. I'm not about that. I, I don't think from what we saw that his potential, maybe he's never going to hit that again. And quite frankly, with the Flyers, he probably won't. But if he can be a 35-point type of player playing on your third line and maybe your second power play, I, I think you could do worse. And the other thing with Ghost that, that I was looking up is – uh, kind of seeing where he falls in the D-man market as far as uh, contracts go. And he's he's the 65th highest paid, or he will be the 65th highest cap hit of all defensemen next year. Now, that's not, that that would be a bottom four pairing, maybe your next, your bottom six. So if that's what I'm paying Ghost and I can keep him and I don't have to just unload him for nothing, 
why the hell not? And based on your numbers for what what you provided for the team for next year, you can still make it work. Uh, maybe you move around another guy. Maybe you bring a guy up from the minors that's not making much. But I'm willing to take a chance on him that either he rebuilds his value or maybe he comes back and you can expose him to the, the draft the following year and you clear the salary that way. So I'm okay with letting him stay. I'm not, I'm not in a hurry to move him for whatever someone's going to hand me. And that's just it. And a lot of the issue with this is they think that our team is so up against the cap with the flat cap, and they kind of are if they break it all down. But they're not at the point where they have to move somebody to be cap compliant. Uh, they can maneuver it. They're going to have to play a little bit of hardball. Uh, but I did break it down. And just on Ghost, like, you can sell youth and potential. It's been done so many times. I mean, in every league I've I watch, you can do it. Change of scenery is a big thing. Guys see something they like, another other GMs, and you can make it happen. We've seen so many trades that made us scratch our heads. You're telling me you can't trade Ghost for something? I understand that Bukestad went for a seventh. I think there was more financial reasons behind that, injury reasons. Ghost has been in and out of the lineup, but it hasn't all been injury. He's going to come back fully healthy. Uh, and right now, my projections, he's going to have to play. But I don't think another team should look at the Flyers and say, they're screwed. We're going to get one over on them. And let's say they did. Well, let me bring you back to last offseason. The San Jose Sharks sign Eric Carlson to, what, $11 million? Yep. They are up against it, no doubt. They let a pretty good player in Don Skoy go to Colorado, as well as other players. I think, well, they didn't have to Pofelski, obviously, but like they let players go. Flyers gave up a second and a third for $3.5 million Justin Braun. A team up against a cap. We should have gave a seventh at that, according to that theor- um, theory. Yeah, I mean, logic. But the Flyers are going to have to eat cereal. By the way, how old was Braun at the time? 33? 32? 30. There you go. He was 32, yep. He was 32 years old. He was a career third-pairing defenseman on a team known for their offensive talent at D. When you look at Brent Burns and guys of that nature. And a team that has always been there. And we, oh, he's good. He's one of the team that's been in the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. He was in the playoffs this year. He looked pretty good, did he? He's good <laughs> against bad teams or regular season teams. You know, he looks decent. When the Islanders in Montreal came to town, he was a pylon. A second and a third for a pylon. I'm sorry, but it, I didn't like it then. I lived with it during the season because, yeah, he was an upgrade over what we had. Do you understand that this team had Andrew McDonald playing on this team? Anything would have been an upgrade. Gudis was on this team. Hag was getting regular minutes. As much as I like the guy, he's a seventh defenseman. Yep, 100%. And, right? and, and, like, I like him as a seventh defenseman. I don't like him as a fifth defenseman. Here, you know, here's the other thing I'll hit you with Ghost, and, and you may disagree. Other people may disagree. I actually think the fact that he's under contract for $4.5 million for the next three seasons, it actually helps his value. And the reason that is it's the cost certainty that comes with him. If, if you acquire Ghost, you know exactly what you're – let's say he, he gets moved at uh, the trade deadline just to, to throw something out there. 
you know exactly what you're going to pay him for the next two seasons. But if you're going out and you're trying to get a, a, a UFA, you want to bring him on your team, and then you're going to have to re-sign him, you're going to be paying him more than that. Like, Ghost is already under contract. He signed that contract after coming off a hot year. But it, the, the market is always going to keep increasing. So if I can get the potential in Ghost at four and a half for the next couple of years, and maybe in those years he drops to be the 80th highest paid defenseman. So then, then really when you're looking at it in terms of the, the landscape of the other D-men, it's not that bad, and, and, and you're not finding that type of player just out of nowhere. So I actually do think with the flat cap and the cost certainty that he is, um, I, I think it actually does help his value more than hurt. Now, if he was making three and a half, would it help him more? Sure. But because he's under contract for two years at a fairly reasonable number, I'll say debatable, um, the the reasonableness of it. But if he plays up to 80% of what he was in his best season, then I, I think he comes in at a fair bargain, to be honest with you. If this was 2008, 9, 10, $4.5 million is a little bit of a tough pill to swallow. 100%. Where the cap, where the cap at is in 2020, it's it's really not. Exactly. It's not that bad. That's why I wanted to see where he fell in terms of all the defensemen. And being the 65th highest paid defenseman, I mean, we're, we're not talking about a top 20 salary here. You're, you're, you're looking at a, a bottom half of the, let's say, decor salary. So if I'm a team, I'm more than willing to take a chance on that. And, yeah, you're probably going to try and call the Flyers and lowball them and see where they're at. But if I'm the Flyers, I'll say – Thanks, but no thanks. We'll see what he does this year, and then if you want him, you can come get him later. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think they're going to mold their team around what they have. They might not potentially look that good. Hopefully, Fletcher can make some moves. Hopefully, play some hardball with some guys so he can bring in somebody better than Braun. Uh, and then, you know what? We have a plethora of prospects and picks, mainly prospects going into next year, that need to get some playing time. Frost yeah. should be on the team start a camp. Obviously, Farabee should as well. So when I break this team down to keep them under cap, excuse me, as the guys I've named that you are you keep, I got Couturier, Drew, and Vorchek on the first line. The lines can be shifted. I just want to break down the offense and the defense and what have you in the in the cap. Second line, Konechny, Hayes, Limblom. He got a Limblom got a raise up to three million dollars. That's calculated. JVR, Lawton, Roffel. So the, your third pairing I got here, I got Pitlick, and I think $1.5 million is a nice offer. I think if he asks for more than that, you have to let the guy walk. I don't think you can play – you can't go over that. If anything, you got to try for less. I'd understand if he wanted more than the million he got last year because he was pretty good. But I think $1.5 million is your is where you draw the line in the sand. So let's just say $1.5 million for Pitlick, who you don't need on your team, uh, I would prefer – uh, Frost, Farabee, I don't think that's your fourth line. I think they're all mixed up through the lineup. However, Farabee's making nine and a, 925000 Frost is making 863 and change. And then I would assume another guy for your extra forward is Albkubel. Steve, I know you want to jump in here. I thought that 900000 would be uh, somewhat generous for him. Not crazy generous, but generous. What do you what do you think that he would uh, want to resign for? Because he is a restricted free agent. I could see NAK going for like a, a two year kind of 
like we know what he is. He's probably not ever going to elevate into a top six role. Um, he can slide up and bring some energy maybe on the third line, but he kind of is what he is. I could see him asking for like a two-year deal maybe maybe at the 900 total or 900 per year, so like two at one eight. Maybe he looks for a third year and you, you say we'll give you the third year, but we're going to lower your salary to 800000 something like that. Um, I'd be okay with that, but like – Again, I like him, but I'm not going to hitch my wagon to a bottom six forward. Like the the mentality always seems to be, um, we we get these guys that we love and we we got to retain him at all costs. But I, I feel like I could find another Abe Cubell for an entry level making seven hundred thousand dollars. So I'm not I'm not willing to overpay for him. Look, I love what he brought, but I, I think you can get another guy that can run around and and cause some havoc and maybe score a couple goals. So I'm kind of like where you are. I'm setting my number on him. And if you want more than that, well, you can go test the market. I think that's where you got to play the hardball. That way you can, you can open up some other avenues for your team as well. And he's one of the players I would definitely play harder ball with. Like I would definitely draw a line with Pitlick and talk to him, but Knack is a restricted free agent. He is younger, or I'm sorry, he's older than you would think. I think he was drafted in 2014. So, you know, six years, he's drafted at what, 17, 18. He's getting up there. He's going to want to start making money. Listen, if he wants to sign a three-year deal, I, I'd give him even 875 at that point, 850. Right, uh, okay. lower the you cap it for the extra year a little bit. And get him for three years, that's a that's – a, I like that move a lot because you can always move him to the AHL. If I'm him, I'm looking at a 1-2. Um, just to get him out of his restricted free agent status. Uh, I think 900 K regardless, whether it's a one or two year deal, hopefully two, uh, maybe even lastly, like you were saying maybe 850, maybe 875. I take it, you know, just take it. It's not for what he did. It's not bad. He did. I don't really remember hearing much of him later in the Islander series. He's the kind of guy that it's like fiery. He, he, go. he was hurt it, it later did in the he series. Play hurt. Yeah, he, he was actually he was out for I think the two of the last three games because he did get hurt. Um, I think he got hurt blocking a shot. All right, so he was a little banged up towards the end of the yeah. series. I can't be too hard on him, but at the same time, like you said, these guys are replaceable. You don't go crazy for these guys. That's why I was so, I had such an issue with the Braun move. Not only was he making three and a half million dollars, you give up. A second is a pretty decent pick. Third's whatever, but a second's a pretty decent pick, and that's why I'm like, these guys are replaceable. Knack, as much as I like him, as much as I liked him since he was drafted, he's a former second-round pick from, I believe, 2014. I like the guy. I like what he's brought, and the old regime of Hexall and Hacksaw, who drafted him, didn't like him for whatever reason, so it was really nice to see him get a call-up. I'm not breaking the bank for this guy. You cannot do that. I don't care how much you like him. You cannot do that. Like I said, 900,000? For one or two years, I don't want to say it's. I, th- I thought it was generous, but I don't mean that in the sense that he's worth half, less than half. Like I think it'll be around that number, and I, I, I believe that I went on a little bit, a little bit of the high end. So your forwards amount to fifty-two million, just over fifty-two million, barely. Uh, then we look at the defense. You got Provorov at six and three quarters. Uh, and Niskanen at five and three quarters. I mean, obviously Niskanen's got one more year. You just resigned Provorov. They're with you. We talked about Ghost at four and a half. Sandheim got his raise last year at three and a quarter. So now you got Myers. I put Myers down for the same deal that uh, Sandheim got. And I honestly believe that Sandheim had a little more playing time when he signed that deal. 
But with it, just a little bit of inflation, I think Myers could get a similar deal. I can see Myers getting uh, – I, I forget exactly what Wierenski got last year. Um, but I could see him get coming in at like uh, – Wierenski got, I think, a two at five or a one at five. I could see uh, Myers going two for like nine and getting four and a half or maybe two for eight and a half and getting uh, four, two, two, five. So, yeah, you account for the, the inflation a little bit. But maybe, like you said, the games played probably brings it down too. Um, so maybe maybe it comes in and is the same or two at uh what six and a half. So I had him at at Myers at three and a quarter. That's per yeah. yeah. So so two years, uh, six and a half million. So three and a quarter. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes me. I was gonna say any more than that. I'm like, he needs to play a lot more than that for me. I'm but I think it's a fair number. It's what Samheim got, and Samheim had more uh, service time at the time of the deal. And while yeah, I liked right. Myers. That's that pairing hurt us in the Islanders series. As much as I like them together, Islanders really exposed them. So I'm hoping that he's a restricted free agent, doesn't have a whole lot of leverage. Uh, I honestly think he'd be fine with that number, if not lower. So I wouldn't play crazy hardball with him, but I would try. I'd try to get a flat three, maybe. Even, even less seems like wishful thinking, but they're going to need every little bit they can get at the same time. I do think they can re-sign him for that number, and it'd be fair. He's on the same line with the guy. They're both making the same amount of money. It just seems fair. It screams fair. Yeah, it makes sense. Right. And, and another guy, I have uh, Nick uh, Robert Hag, and um, I do think they bring him back. Uh, I think I went pretty high on this end. Now, he's played a lot. He's had a lot of play. He's a really useful uh, – the, the way they use him is very – it's needed. I don't think he's a top six defenseman. Uh, <laughs> if, if your defense and your – if your forwards are stacked and your defense has some good guys in your top four pairing, he can get by as a third pairing defenseman. But ultimately, I think he's a sixth defenseman. Um, I have him down for 950K. Uh, I don't have any years. I'd assume one or two. Um, but I don't, I cannot see Hag and $1 million unless he tests the market and stay, they, I would be an overpay, in my opinion. For a guy who should not honestly be in your lineup unless you really need him, which is great to have him when you, you, you need him. I can't say, I real, and it's pretty close to a million. It's 950K. It's as close as you're going to get, really. Uh, what would you? What do you th- perceive Hag's value to be? Um, I think it's right around that area. Um, I don't have any interest in paying him much more than that. But like you said, he's he's your consummate seventh NHL defenseman. He comes into the lineup um, in the regular season, and he's he's fine. He's serviceable. But guys like that get exposed in the playoffs. The the playoffs get faster, and him and Braun just couldn't keep up. To me. Um, Robert Hag is Justin Braun. If that's what he becomes in his NHL career, that's like that's his ceiling. So I don't really have much interest in bringing him back over that 950k. Um, I'd be okay with it as the seventh guy and bring him in the lineup in and out. Um, but I think that's kind of that would be a slight raise for him this year. I could see him asking for more, just given the amount of games he played. Um, but I think I'm drawing the line there at, at about 950. If he goes a little bit above, uh, 
975, that's not going to really do too much, but that's kind of right about where I would stop with him. And if that's the case, I'll live with it. Um, I saw a lot of things from him in the regular season and especially in the Islander series that really irked me. Um, I mean, he blocked the shot with his head. Great job. Um, But when you can't get the puck out of your zone and you can't move the puck and you really aren't that fleet of a skater and you don't bring much on the offensive side, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay you over a million bucks, but it's just not going to happen. And listen, I, I truly believe he's a, a situational player starting him over ghost in this series was the right move. I just the way the Islanders play, you know, ghost, he's going to have some offensive chances, but if he, he truly came down to a situation where if he does not convert, he's, he, you're going to get burned and you cannot give up opportunities to the Islanders because you're not getting out of any holes. I think they came back from being down once, and that was like game six. See, was I, like the- I actually disagree with you on that, but we can save that for another show. Um, I'll explain why, but let, let's save that for another another show and uh, we can get into it a little bit more. But I actually think Ghost would have been the better option. But like I said, I'll, I'll hold that one for later. All right. Well, I'll, I'll I'll get the last say. I'll just <laughs> I'll just say uh, the ghost hag debate has been you know for, for going crazy forever. Yeah. But um, they did try him out. It did not go well. Um, and it just came down to possession. And I I'll leave it at that. It, it came down to possession. Not that hag was anything great, but it came down to possession. And I think um, hag had less turnovers in his zone. But We'll hold it off there because that is a good discussion to have, and it's going to come up. It's definitely going to come up. Yep. I mean, what we're doing right now is about keeping ghosts on the roster or trading him or being forced to trade him and take less. So there's obviously issues there. So there's definitely plenty to talk about. And I don't dislike Hag. I truly don't. I, I don't truly either. don't. I don't. I, I like him as a seventh B man. That's, that's just it. Like he, he cannot, if you're serious about winning the cup, you cannot pencil in him in as even on your third pairing, unless you're absolutely stacked, which we're not and be like, all right, we're going to win. He's going to be on my third pairing. And because yeah, you might get by in the regular season, even have a good record, but I don't think you're getting by the really good teams. And we saw that with the Islanders. Yep. Um, so to finish that off, and I don't have a extra, def- uh, defenseman, uh, that puts them at about 24 point, four five million so we get to goaltending and this is pretty simple heart is at seven hundred and thirty thousand and change almost seven thirty one and elliot's a free agent um there are two scenarios i have here one is you just re-sign him at two mil uh i'll i'll, I'll ask you multiple questions about this steve but to make the numbers work uh and i don't think this is that crazy i have them offering elliot a multi-year deal to get that number down to one and a half million um, that'll def that'll help them significantly with bringing everybody back. My question to you, if I'm Brian Elliott, am I asking for exactly what I got last year or more, or am I just hoping for a good deal? Or what do you, what do you, th- if you're Brian Elliott, what are you thinking? If I'm Brian Elliott, I'm looking at like, if I can get a two year deal, I'll take the extra million and take a lower cap hit. Not that the cap hit he cares about, but I would I would take the security of the extra year. And look, he's not a starting goaltender anymore. We saw what happened when Hackstall ran him into the ground. 
Um, but to back up Carter Hart and to be in that locker room, I think it's a perfect scenario for both sides. I think it's one of those like no brainer deals where if the Flyers came to him and said, we'll give you two years at three total, I, I think both sides would be ecstatic with it. And, and that would be my preference. I mean, the young guys I'd like to see, but I'm not ready to anoint them as my direct backup to Carter Hart. At least with Elliot, you feel like there's some level of comfort there. So two years, three million sign on the dotted line, I'm in. Yeah, I, level of comfort is definitely a, a phrase I like and would use. Yep. Uh, I think some of our younger goaltenders are nowhere near ready. Uh, I don't think Alex Lyon is going to see NHL time. Uh, and, you know, if it's one year to give him more time, two, what's it matter if it's two years? It's a cheap yeah. price for a backup goaltender. Uh, and, you know, what? if you got to move him, you probably could. It's a pretty nice contract if you're trying to make room for next year because the guys are going to be up for contracts. And I think yeah. you could make it work um, to just move on. So you got like two point just over two point two million there for the two goaltenders if they do sign him to that one point five at two year deal. Uh, the buyouts are you're, you're pretty hurt. Uh, David Schlemklo at six hundred thousand dollars. It's not really much, but Andrew McDonald just shy of two million dollars, one point nine and change. You got two and a half over two and a half million dollars in buyouts. So that puts with your cap, the cap's at eight point eighty one point five million dollars. That would put the Flyers at eighty one point just over eighty one point two. So leaving them with two hundred and thirty seven thousand nine hundred and seventy seven left in cap. Pretty much not enough room to really do anything. But they have a full roster. Now the only thing I'll say to that. Uh, and that that's what that's with me giving these players the benefit of the doubt with uh, their contracts. If you play hardball, you would they would probably save money. That would definitely bump that number up. Uh, they still would need to carry a another defenseman. I mean, technically, you don't have to. You could just call somebody up and make paper transactions to make it work. It is doable. The point is, they don't have to trade ghosts for peanuts because they're have cap issues is the team better than last year no they're probably a little bit worse but that's why you got to use your prospect that's the whole point of them exactly. uh, one one wild card here we have not mentioned nolan patrick um i don't know what he gets i wrote down what you told me earlier today and that's pretty much a one-year one million dollar prove it deal and after missing an entire season that's not crazy and you know what wouldn't shock me is if it was a two-way deal Wow. Well, I mean, he's got to play. You know, he's, he's got to. He's got to. Why not? I mean, they're not gonna. I really don't know where his head's at. No pun intended. Uh, is he that kind of guy? Oh, I'm a former second overall pick of the draft. It's like you sat out an entire season, bud. Yep. You know, and, unless you want to hit free agency or something. But they shouldn't let an asset like that walk. So I'm really not. I think they're a good enough organization that I, that's not something I'm worried about. Now, if Patrick's demands are flat out ridiculous, maybe, but he's still an RFA, so his his leverage is very limited. I could see it being a two-way, one-year deal for a million bucks, and you probably let him start out in the AHL, get some, some top games under his belt, and then you make a decision from there. Yeah, I, I think that's ultimately what will happen if he does come back at all. Because who really knows? Him signing could change this entire thing. Like they might let Pitlick walk at that point. True. They might do a ton of different things. So 
I had to just I had to withdraw him and wait because he is truly uncharted waters. I've right. never seen anything like this. Um, the only other thing I'll add is some possible cheap prospect options. Um, listen, guys tend to forget, and you you and Jimmy brought it up uh, in our text chat. Linda Sandin was signed. Uh, he's just shy, excuse me, of eight hundred thousand dollars, and obviously. He's going to be 24, 25. Like, they're going to want to see this kid. They're not going to take somebody of that age and let him bake in the minors. It's you got to see what you have. Uh, He might get a long look in camp, and that's a very cheap contract. And if he performs, I mean, you might have to make your decision with Pitlick beforehand, but who knows? Maybe he's out the door. Let's not forget. Uh, Connor Bunneman and Carl Carson Twinsky both were on the team last year. Very cheap contracts for them as well. Under 800,000. A couple of other names that were brought up. Andrew Andrianoff. He was thought about being brought up for the Islander series for simply for a bigger body and some board play. I mean, on your fourth line crazy. I don't know, but if you need to make it work financially, you probably could. Jeremy Rubstoff was a former first round pick. We want to see him. Chris Stewart was great in the locker room. 700 K for somebody like that. I don't know if you go any lower than that. I mean, he's a fighter. I get it. That That's kind of a, uh, older term. We don't really use those kind of players, but it's an option. Uh, Wade yeah. Allison's a guy that they, that they are high on. If he's healthy, Hey, maybe he's knocking on the door. And then finally on defense, Mark Friedman at 725000 is a guy that they like to bring up. I don't think he's an NHL player. I think he's a plug-and-play kind of guy. And finally, Sam Moran. He's still on the team, $700K. Now, if you need – I don't think any either of those guys should be a long-term option, but you do have injury options. So, Steve, I just laid out some uh, younger guys, AHL guys. Uh, Linda Sandin is probably the most intriguing where are you at with all this? And do you think these guys can legitimately be in the organization's plans to move up and kind of save them some money, but also see what they have? So I'll kind of throw a blanket statement over it. The, I think with the way they build up their minor league pool, you have enough options that the chances of you, you've increased your chances of hitting on these guys and giving the, the your team the ability to have them contribute. Um, because you have a number of prospects that are right there. You've got a couple of the skill guys with Frost and and even Ratcliffe, who I don't even think you mentioned. Um, and then you've got the uh, the gritty knack type of players with the Lanziski and Bunneman and th- those kind of guys. So you have a couple of guys you can plug and play throughout the lineup. And then even on defense, you give yourself a couple of different options, Amula, Friedman. Um, I think you don't have to go crazy. That's that's where you can play a little bit of hardball. And I think you can kind of draw a number that you want to you don't want to go over and feel comfortable with plugging one of those guys in. I mean, I, I think Frost is going to be in your lineup. Um, he kind of has to be. Um, Ratcliffe made some strides this year. I could see him pushing for a spot, maybe not right away, but eventually during the season. So I, I think they're in pretty good shape there, and, and I'm 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 okay with letting a couple of those guys walk, and comfortable enough putting them maybe on the third pairing. Um, and if they're not doing the job, and you have Hag there, sure you plug him back in and let those guys figure it out on, on the bench a little bit. But I think there's a really high probability that two or three of these guys next year make a, a significant impact on the team and allow you a little bit more flexibility financially too. 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see what happens with Nolan Patrick. If that's decided beforehand and he gets moved to LTIR or he, God forbid, plays, you're going to save money. Well, at least we think you are. Uh, you got some guys, if you don't, if you do play hardball and you lose, you, you got to try these guys out. And Sand is one of the ones that pops up for me, especially. Um, you restricted free agents. You can play a little bit more hardball because they're not going nowhere. You yeah. know, I mean, if they sign a ridiculous deal, you're going to get compensation for it. It's very unlikely. Um, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting what Fletcher does. But ultimately, if you did pay most of them what they should get, if not more, it's still possible to ice a full team. Yeah, if not pretty damn close to it. So you're not in a situation where San Jose was where they needed to move salary and still manage to get a second or third for a guy who's really not that good, a role player at best. So I'm not looking at the Bukestad move as a parallel to Ghost, but I'm also not going to look at Braun either. I think that was kind of silly. Yes, it's somewhere more in between. But I think you've proved that the Ghost doesn't need have to get moved for nothing. You can leave him on the team and function – uh, and be just fine for now and then figure it out once his value maybe comes up a little bit. So, I mean, I just can't get past the Braun move. If that guy <laughs> at that salary can give you a second and a third ghost at his age and his potential and his previous play. I mean, obviously you're going to take into account his bad play and his injuries, but that's why you're not asking for a, a first round pick 15th overall or anything he should net you at least a second round pick and maybe even uh, a B level prospect or something. If you're even planning on moving him, maybe you're they're looking elsewhere, but I don't think this team is so up against it where they have to bend over and say, yeah, you can have ghost. Uh, we'll just give us whatever. I don't think that's the case. I think Fletcher's yep. smarter than that. Flat cap definitely doesn't help, but at the same time, I figured out a way with my tiny little brain <laughs> to figure out to ice a full team, uh, except for what, maybe a backup defenseman, which you yeah. typically don't have to carry. Um, and I gave them the benefit of the doubt, at least I believe, on some of those contracts. They have options. They have plenty of options. They can play hardball. They will play hardball. And I will we be better than next, last year? No, I don't think so. Unless one of some of these young kids really freak out. It'd be nice to see Frost and uh, Farabee on the team for a majority of the season. Um, You know, I I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. So just wanted to break that down. Ultimately, we'll see what happens. That was a nice deep dive. Uh, Really, it was more on their financial situation than it was Ghost. But Ghost has every time the offseason comes or trade rumors come or deadline or whatever – He's goes at the very, he's at the front of the line. Oh know? yeah. And uh, while I'm okay with moving him, I'm not giving him away for peanuts. I think that's bad cap management. I think it's bad asset management. Is what I should have said. Yep. And I, I don't think Fletcher would do that. Just personally, I, and he, the guy does like to move, make moves. Apparently, so we'll see what happens. Um, definitely a good talk. Uh, I, yeah, we're out like an hour and a half here. So, uh, I think that's going to be a wrap guys. <laughs> thanks for listening. Please remember to like favorite and subscribe. Keep an eye out for all HW radio content. Always listen to our main show with myself, Kyle and Jimmy. We got the forces corner with, uh, Kyle, I believe a new one's coming out soon. The Jim and Jim show with Jim Dowd, anything with hockey with Kelly Hinkle. 
uh, The Bright Side with Joshua Bright. And as always, this is High and Wide Full Circle signing off. Thanks, guys.